Hello, everybody. This is Noah and John, and we are from Urban Digs, and we are talking Manhattan and Johnny. We got a good one today. We got Stephen James. This guy's got decades and decades of experience. He is the president and CEO of Berkshire Hathaway Home Services in New York, and we got him here today all for ourselves. Stephen, thank you so much, first off, for taking the time out with us today. And I'm going to get right to it. I'm going to ask you the first question that's on everybody's mind. What are you seeing in the markets today? Well, I think if I had to uh, encapsulate it in a, in a headline, I'd say we're in a period of adjustment in a turbulent world is what I would say. And that just encompasses all kinds of things. But I think, you know, looking back over... Uh, 2023, I'd say the spring was weaker than hoped for, and the summer was slow, and the fall weak, uh, you know, with some spotty successes here and there. But as an overall picture, that's that's kind of my take on it. I mean, you look at the open houses, uh, less attendance, but but this is, I think, the most interesting thing is by far the lowest attendance we've had in years, but yet more serious buyers showed up. They asked the right questions. They continued to ask questions. And uh, and the ones that uh, you you expected to be, you know, tire kickers or lookers, they they didn't take the time to do that, which says to me, it's, it's a very different market that we've been accustomed to. Uh, clearly the inventory's down, uh, but at the same time, uh, prices are stable. Uh, quarter one, 2024 will, I think, show us where it's going. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. And I think one of the confusing things about today is, is that volume level is down and you're absolutely right. The open houses are quiet. The sellers are quiet. The sell side's quiet. The buy side's quiet. And yet there's this, there's almost this lack of a coherent narrative that's really explaining things to everyone's satisfaction. So I'm curious, you know, from your position, dealing with the sell side, dealing with the buy side, how are you kind of putting that, assembling these various narratives to kind of tell that story? Well, I absolutely agree with that. I, I would characterize it a little bit more pointedly, and that is, I think there is worry on the part of the agents, worry on the part of the buyers, and you have a continuation of sellers unwilling to see the reality of pricing. Uh, and I think they all are so interrelated that you can't just pull one apart and say we have to solve that. I think it's all a piece that fits together. I mean, units are down year over year, um, and that's 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 been uh, in play for the last two years. But uh, and yet the prices are stable. I, I think I think it's a, definitely a challenge. But I do feel strongly that the pricing is the biggest issue of all. I mean, I think if the sellers could get more realistic about pricing and be more willing to, uh, if, if they truly want to sell, uh, to do something about that. If not, they are going to, to continue doing what they did in 2023, which was sit, sit, sit. You right. know, the consumers are all online. That's where it's changed over the last five to 10 years. The consumers are online. They watch. They know, and you can't pull the wool over their eyes. I mean, they have too much data to draw from, especially from an organization like yours, Urban Digs. I mean, oh, it provides an unbelievable service to both the brokerage community, but especially to the consumer, if they're willing to listen. 
Yeah, you can't insult these guys' intelligence, yeah. right? I mean, we they know what's going on. And Steve, I just want to ask you one quick follow-up before John goes into the second question. Um, it's such a confusing market, right, with the inventory tighter. Um, the price action hasn't really displayed it yet. Do you get a sense? Because, I mean, I, I, I just don't know. Is there mass panic in the sell side right now? Are there a lot of sellers hitting deals down 10 15%? Or they're, again, as you said, they're sitting and waiting. Yeah, I still think there's a lot of that waiting, which I find worrisome because that that can't correct the situation until they come around there. But deals are still being made, uh, and I and you know it's not a huge plunge in price. It, the deals are made when the seller gets realistic at the price. I mean, if you see a property coming on the market and you go, "Wow, that's not a bad price," I'm shocked. I thought they had come in higher. That's what you need. You need to see more of that. You need to you need to get the consumer's attention out there and the buyers. Uh, and I and I think once you do that, I think you'll have a changing market. I just don't see that happening so soon. I mean, on a good day, every seller believes that their their property is worth far more than it is. That's that's a given. Yeah. I mean, just I mean, it is a given. I mean, it's, yeah. And one of the things we talk about is you know sometimes there's a market problem. We're not doubting that. There's a bit of a market problem right now. It's very quiet. Sometimes you have a product problem, right? You've got just a no renovation, a horrible renovation. I mean, these are these are issues with the product. Honestly, though, 90, 95% of the time, it's it's a price problem. It usually things will clear at a price. And if you're not at that price, they're not going to clear. But I'd like to shift now from talking about the consumers. Let's talk about the agents. I mean, you know, when you look at the agent horizon, there are some big changes coming. And you know, once you're inside the doors, there's a lot of cooperation amongst agents on the buy side and the sell side. And the lawsuits that are coming are not looking to break that cooperation, but they want to kind of break up the compensation parts of that. And I'm curious, you know, sitting where you're sitting and you've got, you know, you're at the top of the mountain, you are the in the guru seat. What are you seeing in terms of agent livelihood, Stephen? Well, I talk about worry. That's probably the biggest worry there. If, if I had to characterize, I say a lot of agents are kind of terrified by this and rightly so. This is, in many respects, this is a huge turn into how everyone has been working. I started in early 1980. And I, I mean, throughout my entire career, I've seen the one consistent thing, and that is as an agent, we had to justify our role. We had to justify the existence of the role. We had to justify, you know, who we were and who we work for or not, or what the value that we brought to the transaction. And the more that we did that, the more that the consumer listened to us. You know, it's all about trust. You know, both buyers and sellers, they either trust you or they don't, but you have to give them a reason for that trust on both sides. And I think this lawsuit uh, and, and the other subsequent lawsuits that are happening, I mean, just this last week, a class action suit was filed in New York City uh, that affected 27, 26 brokerage houses and, and uh, the Real Estate Board of New York. And I don't know where that's going, but I suspect it won't be the only lawsuit because it's happening all over the country. After the Missouri, the, the uh, Switzer Burnett case, uh, the verdict came in, they, they immediately filed another case right after that. And then you've got the Illinois case that's coming in uh, later on uh, in the year. That's, there are gonna be more of those. I think everyone is hoping and praying that 
um, on appeal before a judge. Remember that the case in Missouri was before um, a, a jury and a jury of eight, by the way. And uh, I think that I think we're hoping that before a judge on appeal, we'll have a better outcome. It remains to be seen, but I'm hopeful. Yeah, and and how is the how is the agent going to have to adapt here, Stephen? Like, what are they well, going to need to do? Yes, immediately uh, the real estate board in New York saw that this was possibly, strongly, possibly coming down the road, and so they set about set about a few months ago to solve this problem and come up with some some rules and regulations, which I think they've been very good over the years of helping us to sort out some of these things that happen in the course of you know brokerage. Uh, and so they have a, a, a new way for the buyer's agent to handle the, the, pro the process. And it's all going to be very new. And I, and I already see what normally takes place when there's big change in the marketplace or big change in the brokerage community is they're, they're very slow to get it. You know, and I think mostly that's a fear. It's a change. No one likes change, especially brokers, uh, but they're going to have to. And but again, I still think it comes down to the reality is that we are really good at what we do when we know what we're supposed to be doing and how we can educate and convey what needs to be done to the consumer. And, uh, you know, I think periodically as a group, we aren't the greatest in the world doing that until it confronts us that we have to do something. Then when we are confronted by it, we do something about it. And I think that's where revenue is very, very helpful in the changing of their rules. But it's it's not going to be easy. I mean, I think people are are scared of it. And you again, you have to talk to the consumer. You have to convince the consumer what they should be doing uh, for what they need. I mean, both the, the the buyer's agent and the seller's agent needs to be involved in the transaction. They just need to do that because each of those agents represent that side of the transaction. I mean, I think the lucky thing for us in New York City, unlike anywhere else in the country, and I talked to uh, people all over the country over the last year or so through the Berkshire Network, and that's been very enlightening to me. We, we, do, we do business very differently here because we have the cooperative sales market. You need a professional to help you, you know, navigate that incredible, you know, as you know, as archaic as somebody is, some people view it. It's still the majority of business in New York City. You need an agent who knows how to navigate that. Otherwise, the transaction probably won't happen, or it'll be an absolute shambles and a very difficult process. Um, but, but again, we have a lot of agents in the city who know how to do that, and that's going to come more and more in play after the first of the year. It's you know it's interesting. There there does though seem to be a bit of a precedent, right? Because the Brooklyn MLS has been basically dividing that commission structure from the beginning, so we can kind of get a sense from what ha what's been happening there, how things may look here, so we can have at least a view into what's possible. So I think from the agent side, at least there's maybe a little bit of clarity. If not, there's still be confusion, but at least there's an idea of what could be. I think though you're right. I think you nailed it on the confusion aspect, especially for consumers, right? I mean, the, the typical flow is they're going to sit down and as you said, they're online, they're going to go online, they're going to find a place, they're going to go there. And then they're going to be told that, well, I represent the seller, you had to have your own. And it's just, it's going to blow up in everyone's face. And as to your point, 
it, the most consumer friendly thing is to have as a buyer to have representation on that buy side because this is a complicated and it's an involved process and it is very very helpful to have a professional on your side and i'm curious you know from from that point of view what kind of things should agents be doing now to help sort of um, ameliorate that confusion that's likely coming in the first quarter of next year yeah i think they need to articulate learn to articulate what they have to offer to the consumer you know if you're representing a buyer you need to be very clear if they're looking for a co-op you need to be very versed in co-ops and that process and what you bring to the table and your experience uh in in that kind of a, a, a transaction i think the the more that agents can do that and navigate the market i think they bring absolute value to the process and again back to this this uh, idea about the the sellers and 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 those sellers not coming around to the correct price, an agent can help in that process, even working for the buyer. Uh, they, can, they can help navigate that because they need to be on top of the marketplace and the, and the sold and close history and, and where the market has been and where it is currently and where it possibly is going because then they can educate and help lead the buyer to, the, to, to a price that they're willing to pay and possibly a price that the seller is willing to take. You know, it's it works between both agents for the seller and the agent for the buyer. For them to communicate, and, and, and again, I would say we're a community that isn't always on point about real communication. I think as of the 1st of January, that's going to be the really, really important key to moving forward in the marketplace. Are you capable of communicating on a level where everybody can get very close to what they need in order to conclude the transaction? And yeah. I don't for one minute, you know, a lot of people are saying, oh, well, the seller is going to say, here's an opportunity. They don't have to pay the buyer's agent. I step back and look at that. And I think that is so silly. I mean, that is absolutely naive thinking. And again, that's not going to get us where we need to be. You need to change your thinking about that. Of course, with the market down, of course, with high interest rates, of course, the seller needs the buyer. If an agent has a buyer, they that seller should want that agent to come and bring that buyer to their property. It's it's we're all part of the same process. Yeah. And the market doesn't operate in a vacuum. And, and you know, in a perfect world, you think there's transparency. There should be an efficient marketplace. There should be, hey, guys, here's the data. Here's where it's worth. Here's where the market is, guys. This should be pretty clear. Both parties should see what's going on. It's not. That is not the case here. It is very confusing. It is very mysterious. It is very complex. You have the different, different the laws and the legality of all the the products and the sectors that we have. It's it's a highly nuanced market. I mean, I remember when John came on years later. He told me I never thought how complicated and how hard it is on this side of the equation as an agent. You know, but I want to look, there's lots of unanswered questions about this whole thing. And I and I and I imagine it's going to go on for a little while before we get um, a ton of final um, conclusive uh, law down there that we'll have to figure out. But change seems to be coming. I think agents need to be on top of it now. Thank you for talking about it. I do want to get back to our markets and Manhattan and um, specifically supply, specifically supply, because um we spoke before this and we both have an agreement that there's a contraction in inventory out there. And 
Um, you have some thoughts why, and I would like you to share your thoughts why there's not a lot of ready, willing, and able sellers out there. Yeah, I, I, I think it's one really important issue, which is interest rates. And what I mean by that is I saw a figure where over 80% of current owners of property had an interest rate if they had a mortgage, and most people have a mortgage, at 3% or below. You know, having just sold uh, my house in the country and buying another property in the country, my interest rate was just below 3%. And I knew going into it, yes, I was going to get a very good price on my property, but I was going to buy something else because I needed to buy something else. And I realized, you know, by talking to a mortgage broker that I'm going to pay well over 7%, close to 8%. And that, that was a shocking realization. I, I knew it was there, but when you're confronted with the reality of it, I must say that I thought, am I doing the right thing? Maybe I should just be sitting where I am and not moving at all. And I think that is exactly what's going on out there in the marketplace. And I get it. I get it personally. But, you know, I think agents also need to be very aware that that's what's going on. Uh, and I think, again, you know, the experience of the agent, you know, dealing with sellers, you know, I think you have to really mm -hmm. communicate with the seller of why are they selling? Why do they want to sell it? Where are they going? And the more questions that you can ask and never stop asking those questions, the more answers you get, the more likelihood that you're going to be able to find the words to convince the seller it's a good thing. It's a good thing for you to sell and get a very good price. And here is, because of the marketplace, here's an opportunity for you to buy at a much lower price than you would in the past. And I think that those opportunities do exist out there. But again, it's about communication. Now, so that's an interesting point, Stephen. And the reason it's interesting to me is because I think you're, first of all, I think you're exactly right. It's It comes down to communication. And as you said, you have to find the words to explain this, right? You have to sort of tell the story. Unfortunately, I think a lot of consumers are not really into words as much as they are images, right? They look at Instagram. They look at these, these shows on TV that don't quite tell the story of what real estate is. They don't necessarily want to hear the story. They want to see the images. And I'm curious that dichotomy between, you know, what, what's reality, the story of what's happening versus sort of like, you know, the, the overall picture of, you know, the, the, the painting of the, of what possibilities could be. How are you trying to square that circle? What, what are kind of, what, what are consumers missing here? Yeah. See, I agree with you, John, wholeheartedly about this. I, I, I'm, I'm going to be blunt here. Like some of my other colleagues have been very blunt is uh, the shows like million dollar listing has not helped our industry. It's it's painted a very false image of what really is reality out there. And yes, I understand it's a show. It's like any other show, but the outcome of it has been very detrimental to us. And I, I had a, a, a friend who asked me how I was feeling, not in real estate, who asked me how I was feeling about the, the lawsuit in Missouri and what was my take on it. And, and I told them pretty much what I said and 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 I'll never forget, she turned to me and she said, you know, that jewelry probably had a lot of uh, pent-up resentment about 
the shows that they saw where it was real easy to make a deal and you made lots of money and you could have a grand lifestyle because you were a real estate agent. I, th I think that kind of shocked me, but I think that has a real bearing of truth in it too. I think the consumer watched those shows, but I think deep down they were very resentful of what all that represented and resentful that people were making millions of dollars for, for what appeared to them as not doing much. And I, I think that's an image that's very difficult to erase. And yeah. until we go a long way of removing those images, we are not going to move forward where we want to move forward. Yeah, I mean, psychologically speaking, I don't know how you change someone's thoughts process once they develop a, uh, a, a feeling, a behavioral feeling based on something of, of, of a group of people like, you know, agents in this case. Um, how do you reverse something like that? I don't know. You're going to need a lot of uh, uh, of goodwill, I guess, to show. But I mean, for anyone listening, I mean, um, John and I, we were brokers as well. I know, Stephen, you've been on the executive side for a long time. It is hard. It it's is, very hard. It is grinding. It is hard. And you know what? It, it, if 90% of the agents are not making, are, are, are struggling to do deals, a very small amount of agents are really living that that grand lifestyle with the deal volume coming in because this market has slowed dramatically. I don't see how it's not impacting everyone. Um, and it gets harder and harder with this lawsuit coming on. I hope they just at least don't, don't um, ignore unintended consequences because, you know, they could do something that has a detrimental effect. They may mean well, but you know what, if they start doing these things and now all of a sudden you start splitting commissions and now the, the seller, some sellers are offering two and a half percent. Some sellers are offering one and a half percent. Some sellers are offering no percent. Who do you think is going to get most of that traffic? Right? So there's a lot of stuff going on over here. Um, I mean, I, I, we talked about a lot of stuff right here. We talked about a lot of stuff. We covered a lot of ground, including this lawsuit. And, and we're getting towards the end of this podcast. And I want to I want to end it, Stephen. I want to circle back to the agent and I want to end it in your experience with what you're seeing with this complicated market to navigate, right? The agents that are succeeding versus the agents that are maybe struggling or losing some business and not adapting as well. Are you seeing anything, any strategies that those guys are doing that you could talk to the agents listening today that they maybe they could employ? to make their business more successful? Yes, I think, um, and I've sort of intimated it throughout this conversation that the, um, the buyers are really, really important uh, in, in this whole process. And I think the buyers moving forward are the, are the, are the future of correcting the marketplace. And I think the, the, for the most part, we're a rental city. I mean, I don't think a lot of people look at it that way, but but we are. Most people uh, rent, uh, but they don't want to rent. They they want to get in the real estate game, and uh, and I think that's where an agent can be very helpful. But we've a, we've created a situation for the most part where we wait for the buyer to come to us. That that's got to go out the window right now. If you if you want to change the market and you want to succeed in the marketplace. You've got to figure out how do I get the buyer? And, I, and I've recommended consistently over the years, but especially more in the last few months, reach out to renters 
reach out to them and show them and what you have to offer them, your services of how you can help them, educate them, how they can get into home ownership, because deep down, that's what they want. They want home ownership for what that represents, but they also want home ownership because they can build equity. I'm sorry, they're not building equity and rents. They're not. And we already know that the rental market is crazy to begin with. There are very few uh, uh, properties available and they're very, very high. So it's, it's compounded the whole thing, the pressure on that consumer. But I think agents who consistently reach out to, to attract buyers and help them in that process, I think they're going to be the winners moving forward, which in turn, I believe, will be winnings for the, for the marketplace in general. So I, I really encourage uh, our agents to do that. And many of them are doing that. I see, I see the postcards going out and I see the letters going out to the buildings and they're more and more going to rental buildings because we provide a service. Yeah, yeah. And the renter ultimately um, turns into the buyer. The more you expand your network, that just multiplies over time. So, um, yeah. you know, there's a lot of deals in and out. John? No, I was just going to say, you know, one of the things we talked about is, you know, that the image of the, the the real estate broker not doing much and having an awesome lifestyle. And, and you know, there's Noah and I, and, and you, I'm sure, Stephen, we talk with highly, highly successful brokers who make a lot of money every year. And every single one of them works a ton. I mean, it is it is a job that is not nine to five. It's probably seven to seven and it's every weekend. I mean, it's a ton of work and they put in a ton yeah. of effort and they do reap the rewards. So absolutely to your to your point, Stephen, I mean, start focusing on what's coming next because you know it's adapt or die. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, John. But I still believe in our marketplace. I still believe in our market. Well, listen, you know, our models only show us down about seven, eight percent, and that's a median right now. And and we're already starting to potentially bounce off that. It's just been the duration of this, Stephen. Like you said, it's been the duration. We've been down and out for a while. It's been down for a while, but there's not a lot of sellers out there and there's not mass panic. So it's this confusing market. We'll find out next quarter, just like Stephen said, probably with six percent, seven percent, eight percent. We'll find out by February, March, April. Um, but but it's very possible when we do find out we're already in recovery. We're already in recovery. So I do sense a little fear out there. If you're a buyer out there and you're listening, trust everyone that has been saying it on this show. The hit already happened. It already happened. Stephen, this has been great. Thank you so much for joining us. That is Stephen James, President and CEO of Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, New York. That is John Walkup. I am Noah Rosenblatt. This has been Talking Manhattan, and we will catch you next time.